welcome to What in the World Language Podcast. I am here today with L.J. Randolph at ACFO 2019 in Washington, D.C., and we are going to talk about equity and social justice issues and what that looks like as educators in K-12 teaching situations in schools. And L.J. is a presenter here, and he is going to tell us a little bit about who he is and his long history of working in these issues. So welcome, LJ. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about yourself, um, where you teach, uh, what your work is, what do you do? Um, you're, pretty, you're a pretty popular guy here. Uh, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> but um, yeah, very happy to be here. Thanks for uh, interviewing me. Uh, yeah, my name is LJ Randolph. Um, I started teaching um, high school uh, Spanish and uh, English to uh, speakers of other languages. Um, so I did that for about nine years. Um, and then I moved to the university level and I'm currently um, an associate professor of Spanish and education in, in Wilmington, North Carolina, the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. And so what I do there, typically I teach a couple of language classes in Spanish and then I also coordinate our teacher licensure programs there. So we have teacher licensure programs for Spanish and French. And I just uh, get to mentor the pre-service teachers who are in those programs and, you know, uh, learn from them and observe them when they uh, go out and do their student teaching experience. So Sounds amazing. Yeah, it's exciting. So here at ACFL, um, there's been a lot of focus, or more of a focus, I think, uh, mm-hmm. than in previous conferences on the issues of uh, being equitable educators. Um, would you like to speak a little bit about your work and your presentation today and yesterday on, on this topic? Um, sure. Uh, I, I think that's exciting. Uh, it, it's great to see um, all of the amazing work that's being done and just uh, learning from all the ideas of people who are um, just taking a more critical approach to language education in general. Um, and so my work uh, I originally started out uh, working with um, heritage language learners, and I know that you have oh, a lot of experience with yeah, that as well. Yeah. Uh, that's what my dissertation was on. Amazing. And, um, and it really, I mean, and that was, even that was a social justice issue. Um, I, I was looking at my classes and the classes of my colleagues and um, just questioning why these students um, weren't successful in our classes, um, even though they came with all these skills um, that our other students didn't have. Um, and I'm talking about the students who are learning Spanish as a second language. And I really wanted to look at uh, our instructional practices and um, institutional practices to see what we could do to support those learners. And that just sort of evolved into, you know, good teaching is good teaching. So strategies that are effective for heritage language learners are effective for all learners. So, um, and so yeah, it just kind of evolved from there. And then I started uh, doing some theoretical work with um, looking at uh, issues of social justice um, in the field of education and how that might look in the language classroom. So, um, you know, reading from more general work in the field of education and then specific work that has been done in um, world language education, like Terry Osborne has a publication, Teaching World Languages for Social Justice. Um, and then, of course, you have the ACTFL publication um, with um, uh, Cassandra Glenn, um, Pam Weasley, and Beth Lossell, uh, Words and Actions, Teaching Languages for Social Justice. Uh, and so, yeah, that book is in its second edition. And, it's, and I think um, the popularity of that 
text with the, within ACTFL, within our membership, that really has uh, sparked a lot of conversations about how we can implement these practices uh, in a way that doesn't take away from language proficiency goals. I think a lot of people, when they think about social justice issues or uh, incorporating cultural study into the classroom, it's like, well, wait a minute, I want my students to develop proficiency in the language and I don't really have time to study culture or add all this, all this stuff in. Um, and what I always say is that it's something extra to think about, um, but not something extra to do. So you're not adding onto your curriculum, you're just transforming what you already do um, and taking a more critical perspective towards it. Right, there's, um, there's a uh, uh, interview I did earlier and the guy was talking about uh, language and identity. And he was mm-hmm. talking about how we use language and how it constructs our identity, right? And he was he was speaking about being inclusive with our language, such as Latinx mm-hmm. and right. things like that. But he also expressed the importance of teaching the standard, right? Teaching our standards, uh, but the the standard notion of a language standard. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> and but, who defines that standard? But, right. Well, who defines that standard? We can break that apart. Um, what do you What do you think about these notions of teaching strict standards, getting our students prepared academically to move on in their education, and honoring their voice to what they bring to the table? And I'm speaking specifically about you know teaching heritage learners. Um, they come with their identities. Um, so what What do you What's your experience working with that, experiencing that, dealing with that? Yeah, I, I don't think they're mutually exclusive goals. Uh, I, I think if you look at the standards and the five C's, uh, in particular, the community standard, the um, connection standard, um, the culture standard, uh, there, there are lots of opportunities uh, to bring in um, these diverse perspectives into what we already do in a way that supports uh, students' language proficiency goals. Um, so, and uh, you asked me earlier about what our presentation was about. Um, earlier today, uh, I presented with um, my colleagues, uh, Stacy and Dory, and we talked about how to use authentic resources in the class in a way that promotes interculturality and social justice. Um, and sort of the theme of that presentation was, uh, you know, maybe moving beyond the traditional practice of, um, having text, and when I say text, I mean any chunk of language that students are going to um, you know, engage with, so it doesn't have to be a written text, it can be a video or song or something like that, but moving beyond just the comprehension and taking a uh, you know, purely linguistic approach to it, moving beyond that and thinking, how do we get students to engage critically uh, with uh, the perspectives that are um, presented in whatever text you're working with? Um, and you know, going back to your comment about the standards, uh, you know, ACTFL actually has uh, intercultural can-do statements. And I like to use those as a starting point because it helps me um, to have a framework of, you know, what types of cultural reflection or critical reflection can a novice learner do? So it helps to give me um, the language that I need to then develop specific objectives for my students, uh, you, know, you know, to be able to engage with the text. So I think that's a great resource. So I, I love that you said it's not mutually exclusive. You can be inclusive and teach the standard, right? Right. Um, and that's how language learning works. I mean, you know, uh, a lot of us like to repeat that language by its very nature is a political process. I don't think there is a neutral stance. And even if 
I, I Silence decided. is a statement. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so social justice isn't on a spectrum where you have on one end neutrality and on the other end social justice. It, it just doesn't work that way. Um, even the um, the statement I'm going to be neutral or apolitical that is a political stance that is a statement yeah yeah, right. yeah I think uh, I was uh, interviewing Thomas Soth earlier um, and he he mentioned something I thought was interesting we all know about the effective filter right and he says he thinks sometimes and like when I ask him about recommendations for teachers and educators what they can do what it looks like in their classroom he said uh, sometimes I think uh, teachers jump into equity and social justice work and they turn on their students social justice effective filter and I never really thought of the effective filter in that way it's it's interesting to me that that he would say that like some educators just feel like it's something they can just throw at their their uh, students. Let's talk about this. No context. I feel like I need to do it. So right. what what like what do you, not only what you think about that notion of what Thomas mentioned, but wh- I mean what can teachers do instead of just throwing things at their students when thinking about making their classrooms more equitable. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. It, I mean, but you uh, think about yeah. that, that effective filter, students shut down. And if you're, right. if you're in a classroom and it's not very diverse, but yet you want to bring culture in, you want to talk about these issues. Right. Uh, what would you say to that teacher? Yeah, I, um, I would say oh, I, I attended a great session. Um, I hope I'm getting the name right. I think her name was Itza Reyes. Um, and it was one of the um, sponsored sessions by the Critical Social Justice Approaches SIG. Right. And uh, she was talking about uh, taking a social justice approach to a class made for heritage and native speakers of Spanish. And um, I remember one part that she talked about, uh, she had these four things that teachers need to keep in mind. And there are two of them that stood out to me that I can remember off the top of my head right now. And one of them is that before incorporating social justice into the classroom or, um, you know, bringing some type of critical topic, um, you know, we as teachers need to do our homework on it. Yes. (laughs) And make sure that we're engaging with diverse perspectives. Super important. uh, You know, that that we're reading um, and and listening to people. who represent those communities and those voices. Um, and then also recognize, and I think this goes back to your statement about the effort, the social justice effective filter, uh, recognizing that a lot of students have trauma associated with some of these things. Mm. And so, I, I, like I said earlier, I don't think anybody can take an objective voice to any of this, but I mean, there's some people who can't even pretend to take an objective voice uh, just because it's so ingrained in, into their daily experiences. And, and I know for me, uh, I'm, a, I'm a black male. And so, you know, anytime we talk about race, uh, like I have personal trauma connected to that. Right. So I, um, you know, it, it can be very triggering for me in certain cases. And if I'm in a, an environment where I don't feel safe or where I don't feel um, supported or where there's not a you know, relationship with the other person, um, I, I'm not able to engage in that conversation. And that's important. Yeah. And so I think, you know, with my classes, the, the biggest thing that I try to do is just establish that classroom community. Because if there's not that trust, um, then you can't really get to the uh, transformation. You're just going to have a bunch of people being defensive. Right. Uh, or, or you're just going to, you know, tackle it at a superficial there's level. There's no dialogue. Yeah. It's that defensiveness, so, right? That people yeah. throw up that filter, right? And they don't want to participate. I think you mentioned something critical is about teacher education before you do this work mm-hmm. and triggering um, those, those uh, students 
that have those experiences that you just mentioned. And that really does, like, I can't reiterate the importance and other people that have been on this podcast of doing that self-work, learning, knowing who is in your room, building classroom culture and community before you can even begin to acknowledge these issues, these systemic issues that are not only in our classrooms and in our own implicit biases, but also within the broader structural exactly. systems. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't take, the, 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 these types of conversations or this type of um, instructional approach doesn't take place in a bubble inside of our classroom. Our classroom is part of society. Exactly. So students bring in all that baggage and, and you know, I bring in all that baggage that we experience outside of the classroom. Um, and I mean, I guess that kind of makes it sound negative, but that's good. Like, you know, we bring in all these perspectives no, that's, and, that's, and, you know, it can be a good place to unpack that. But we need to recognize that those perspectives exist and, and that, you know, there is no neutrality. There is no neutrality. Yeah. That's a good. So give us some uh, final parting wisdom to for uh, teachers <laughs> here doing this work. Like, what would you say? Take as long or as short as you'd like. Uh, what would you just leave us with? Uh, for us educators that are listening to this podcast moving and trying to like either implement this work or even go like we say in Spanish masaya, a little further right right um, well I would say uh, start where you're comfortable um, I, I think I mean yeah it would be nice to just go in and change everything <laughs> and if you feel comfortable doing that impossible. do it you know but <laughs> I try to do it you could try but uh, but I think from what I've seen is uh, if people try to take on too much or try to do too much and it ends up being an unsuccessful experience, then they may lose faith that this is something that, um, that that's appropriate for their classroom. Uh, so I think, you know, taking that first step and um, realizing that it is a messy process. Whenever I do this kind of work with my students, um, we go over, um, Glenn Singleton and Curtis Linton have this framework for courageous conversations. And um, there are four elements to it. Uh, the, the first one is uh, speak your truth. Um, so come ready to you know, share how this relates to your life and what you've seen and what you experience. Um, and number two, um, you know, always in, stay engaged. Uh, so don't shut down, keep talking, keep pushing through it. Um, and then the third element is um, expect discomfort, <laughs> realizing that mm -hmm. this is not supposed to be a comfortable process. Mm -hmm. And I think once um, teachers and, and students know that, that this is something that is meant to make you feel a little uncomfortable, then they embrace it more. Because I think um, a lot of times if we experience something that is uncomfortable, we, we don't want to do that again. No. Uh, you know, it, 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 it makes us feel uneasy. But if you realize that's part of the process and, and if students are on the same page, if that's part of the process, I think that helps. And then the final piece of it is um, accept and expect non-closure. Uh, you're not going to solve these issues in one lesson or um, you're not going to like the the um, the gender inclusivity session that you mentioned earlier. Right. You're not going to solve this in one class or one semester. Uh, you're just taking steps to um, continually transform um, your thinking um, and then hopefully um, having an effect on others as you engage in more conversations. So it's about perspective shifting and um, 
Yeah, so that, that would be kind of my advice to people, my takeaway. Uh, and then the, the other thing I would say is do what works in your context. I, I said this in my presentation. Um, a lot of times I'll have teachers say, well, I teach in a very rural and conservative district, and so this may not work with my students. I hear that a lot. Yeah, and so my thing is, well, you know, do what works for your students. <laughs> don't, don't, um, don't look at what I or someone else um, uh, incorporate into our classes and copy that. Uh, it, I mean, social justice is contextual, um, so it, it's community-based. So you need to do what connects with your students and what they need in order to engage in this process. So beautiful. LJ, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you. This is great. And you're listening to What in the World Language Podcast. <laughs>